Welcome back to the Capture Q podcast. Today's guest is Viranli Limena. Viranli is known as somewhat of an influencer in the food community in Vancouver. But more than that, he is a very talented photographer. He does social media, he does marketing, he's a stylist, he works in menswear, he works in food, he works in cocktails. <laughs> he does a lot. He's also hilarious. So if you get the chance, check him out on Instagram at Viranli. V-I-R-A-N-L-L-Y. And you'll get a, a good laugh and also some some delicious photos of food and cocktails. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Thanks for coming. Oh my god, thanks for having me. This is exciting for my first ever podcast situation. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, and it's... Uh, it's neat today. We have a, a sunny day, and Gorgeous it's day. you know, and you're dressed really well, which people will get to see a photo of you. Thank you. <laughs> it's fine. I haven't actually been dressed up for a very long time, so I think this comes at the right timing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you have have you been during during quarantine? It's been great. Uh, I personally am a very introvert person sometimes or most of the time so I really enjoy spending the time you know not having to go outside does not really bother me but you know you have those days when you're just very very uh getting very antsy when you're like at home but Mm -hmm. you know it it works I think it works well for me yeah so far one thing I noticed and and I've I've brought this up before to friends and whatnot but when during this quarantine they were doing a bunch of kind of more just Q&As and not, not field studies, but looking at, at people's opinions on, you know, depression and anxiety. And they thought it was going to be, you know, save for economic d- catastrophes, which has happened. But the people who've had their jobs, they've actually said they've held up really well. And one thing was that they weren't missing out on everybody at restaurants or vacations or buying a new home when they couldn't afford one. And, and now everybody is kind of just stuck in place which made people feel kind of better about about everything which is a neat I think I think the quarantine really you know really teaches a lot of people on how to like spend quality time with yourself and to like you know Mm -hmm. sometimes I think it's a it's almost like a skill to be able to deal with yourself and enjoy the time being alone or not being alone but like Mm -hmm. being by yourself or being in the environment that you're in and just appreciate all these little things that you might not be able to do again once the quarantine is over Mm -hmm. you know like I really I came back to a restaurant once or twice last week and the fact that there's so much space around us it's honestly kind of amazing how like Mm -hmm. you never notice and you never appreciate that you know, oh my God, like, it's actually really neat to not have people cramped all over. Elbow to elbow. Mm -hmm. Especially, and and seeing that in so many of, you know, you and I and our favorite restaurants and, you know, the really high quality hand ones tend to be smaller places where they do have to, you know, in order to make any revenue, they have to cram so many people in. So I like that what you said with, with appreciating, you know, I think a lot of people really got into or got used to kind of, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner out because you could, especially in this city. And, you know, the quarantine, everybody, the kind of cliche of everybody baking bread. Right. (laughs) Everybody's a homemaker. Everybody's, you know, spending more time in the kitchen, learning Mm -hmm. new skills in the kitchen. And I think that's awesome. You know, Mm -hmm. the circumstance that, quote unquote, force us to do that is unfortunate, but 
you know, I think it's, I don't know. I learned a lot more to, to kind of like do more in my kitchen per se mm-hmm. than ever. Mm-hmm. And like cook so much more. I actually baked for the first time during quarantine. I'm not a baker. No ever. way. Because uh, you're then, great. It's, it looks phenomenal on, on your Instagram. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That was the first <laughs> attempt. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like, I think, you know, I've been putting off baking for a very long time. But then... It's scary. It's really <laughs> scary, scary when you, you know, sometimes you put a little bit, like, a sprinkle of something. You know, you put a little bit more of something and then it's just, like, not turning out or... You know, Absolutely. you have to follow the recipe to the T to make sure that everything is going well and everything's going to come out the, the way it's mm, supposed to be. Of course. And even the first time will never be perfect, right? Oh, 100%. Like, yeah. I think that's the that's part of the joy, right? Part of the learning experience of baking or cooking or anything that you're doing really the first time is not going to be your, you know... I mean, some people probably do it really well, like, right off the bat, uh, but... The lucky ones. Per, the lucky <laughs> ones. And I mean, you know, personally for me, I think it takes a couple of tries to to get to that point where mm-hmm. that you want it to be. Because that is something I noticed, and I did actually have this down as a question I wanted to ask you, is that you did, you know, kind of a transition from, because for, for those that know you or don't know you, you you're very much, um, you know, involved in restaurants, and yeah. you've, you photograph beautiful photos for restaurants mm-hmm. and, you know, cocktails and everything like that in men's fashion, but... In terms of food, it was neat to see you were following a lot of the, um, you know, kind of recipes online with, we have our mutual friend, Amy, she's Constellation Inspiration Inspiration. (laughs) on Instagram. She does beautiful baking and you and her were both kind of... We have our own, like, kind of, like, banter and interactions in terms of, like, she, because, like, she bakes a lot of stuff during this quarantine and also, you know, with all the book stuff that she's just launched, uh, she has to do a lot of that and... You know, I'm just being a very supportive friend to be like, hey, I would love to, like, enjoy, you know, your bakings if you, you know, if you have me. And then she just so happens that I'm baking pretty much every day. So it wow. works in my in my favor to be, like, to be, like, we actually live very close together. Oh, nice. So sometimes we're always like, Amy, what are you baking today? Like, you know, <laughs> oh, this is what I'm, okay, I'm coming over, like. You know, so it's it's really fun. Mm-hmm. It's been really fun to mm-hmm. have that. And you've done also a few recipies. Um, the the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen they had. Yeah. Uh, so you were kind of you know doing some of those and posting yeah, so beautiful I've, photos. I mean, of those. Uh, I don't know how many people are familiar with what I'm what I've been doing on Instagram, but like even before the quarantine, it's always kind of like a lot of reference point for me to cook at home is for the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen people, the recipes and the New, the New York Times. And sometimes you just see like, you know, a lot of different recipes that you wanted to try off the internet. But mm-hmm. I tend to, I tend to get my recipes from those two publications. Yeah. And now with the time, which is kind of the bonus, everybody says, oh, I want to do that one day, but right. they're able to now, which is kind of the silver lining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to actually talk to you as well about, in addition to, you know, we both love food and and cocktails and even just interiors of restaurants. But one thing that I find really neat is you also do men's fashion. So do you want to talk about how you got into, you know, what's your interest in that and how you got into photographing that? Uh, I I think I started, I have to say, I started my career in apparel in men's fashion. And it's, you know, it's something that I'm always so passionate about. It's something that I... 
I'm fortunate enough to say that I can do it well. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really fun to me. Like, you know, I've bounced back and forth between food and fashion, like trying to decide, you know, which one do I want to pursue? And then at one point I was like, why not both? Mm-hmm. But I've been interested in fashion since I was a kid, since I was, you know, in high school or maybe even before that. I always wanted to go to a design school, but that never happened. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> uh, but you <laughs> As know, it goes. Yeah. And then during, during my time in university, I started my first job in retail. And then I got the chance to actually kind of like man, manning the, the menswear department uh, of the store. And I fell in love with it. And, you know, it's not just practical because I can wear this. And, you know, it's easily very, tr- you know, you can translate the ideas or the looks that you see on the, let's say, on the runway to, like, you know, your adaptation to that look. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something about menswear, particularly in the tailoring department, that's just so elegant, so timeless, so classic. It's a bit more restricting in a way that, like, you know, it's not, uh, you know, it's it's not the most, I have to say, comfortable apparel to you know to wear sometimes like you're in a suit it's Mm -hmm. you know i think a lot of perception a lot of people's perception is very like structured it's very restricting but i think there's an art of wearing a suit that you can enjoy it on your day-to-day life and i spent i don't know the last couple years trying to convince other people to do that uh yeah and you know in 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 a way i think i've done a pretty good job uh but, you know, there are times that you just don't feel like putting a, a shirt and a tie on. And you just want of to, like, course. I'm going to run around in strong yeah. pants. Yeah. yeah, athleisure wear or, yeah. you know, we have <clears throat> yeah. we have quite a few. Even, I think, that Raining Champ brand yeah. from here is yeah. kind of, the, it's still higher-end, high-quality, right. but also relaxed. Yeah, which is neat. it's a very, yeah. I think they're doing a really great job in terms of, like, representing Vancouver. Mm-hmm you know, and translating the life, the Vancouver lifestyle into what their garments is, like the aesthetic and, you know, but also keeping the comfort level of it still mm-hmm. very, like, very, very enjoyable. And are you drawn to, I guess, because, you know, we're looking at the kind of, you know, fast fashion, there's all of the discussion around what are the external costs of having cheap and quick, you know, trends change and be accessible. Um, are there are there brands that you're drawn to that you feel are are contributing, you know, to the industry in a more positive way? I honestly haven't spent a lot of time researching that part mm-hmm. of the fashion industry, which I think I have to do. But I think it's, you know, it's kind of like an evolving story in terms of like how people, you know, the purchasing habit of people in terms of the clothing and the apparel industry or just in general in fashion. I remember, you know, when you're when you're younger in your early twenties, all you want is like, oh my god, I want new clothes every day. Yeah. And then that's why you're <laughs> like you run to the fast fashion that's like yeah. something that you can just easily replace or like, you know, if I'm if I'm gonna wear this twice, then it's fine. But I think as you grow as I grew up, I feel like now you're investing more more of your money and more your time to kind of like be more selective in terms of what you're what you're buying 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is actually I interviewed um, Cameron Silver. He is uh, oh the decades founder yeah. <laughs> um, for for Nuva magazine for a piece a while ago, and he was he was bringing that up. He said, you know, from the early days when he was young and he dressed as Annie Hall, and you know, has always just been so interested in. Right. You know, making men's fashion not just the suit, but adding you know yeah, colors and vibrancy and, and yeah. vintage and 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 designer and right. the thing that he said that I loved is he goes you know if you're if you're gonna wear it once it doesn't yeah. matter how high end it is yeah. you're you're still contributing to the yeah. you know mass disposal of clothes right. but if you buy something even if it is from H and M and you wear it. You wear it. For twenty years, yeah. it's not as you know detrimental, obviously, right, to right. to the earth. Yeah, I think I think that kind of that perspective really, you know, helps how like again how we're gonna spend our money in terms of a bit more wiser in terms of our purchase. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. You just you mentioned something earlier, which I had a question I wanted to ask you about is um, the idea of being young and you went to university. You said right. and. When you and I first met, it was at Botanist in uh, the right. Fairmont. Yes. And I remember you telling me about kind of the, the not not so much conflict, but just the, the expectations of parents and what yeah. they want you to do and what they think is a, you know, the right career choice. Um, right. If you wanted to, I guess, talk a little bit about that and, and how you, you know, you transition from university to going, hey, I can really do this right. and how you approach that with your parents. So... I came, like, you know, I grew up in an Asian household. Uh, my, none of my, like, none of my parents are, have the strongest academic background, but my mom's family is a family of doctors. So there's kind of like, you know, my mom, technically my mom was also the one-off that she was an architect and not, you know, not pursuing any career in medical or like, you know, Okay, medicine. so more arts, art focus then. Yeah, so it's a bit academic. more on the art focus uh compared to the rest of the family so it's still quite structured yeah yeah so i think there was such an expectation for you know for me and my brother growing up just to be like as like every other parents that i you know all my friends parents that i grew up with like very rarely that they were like okay you can do whatever you want Mm -hmm. right so we kind of like we're thinking about like i've we're thinking about going to the design school and I've talked to them and they know, they know exactly what I wanted to do. And like, you know, they, they know me well enough since I was a kid that I'm more in the art. Like I'm a very artsy person, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, I'm lucky enough that I can do both the academic and the art. The only thing that I can do is pee when I was in school. So like, you know, that was the only struggle that I had. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So you know, that also opened up a lot of different options for me if I wanted to go to art school, sure. But also, like, I think what they wanted for me is something a bit more structured, something a bit more secure and, you know, safe, which mm-hmm. makes sense, you know. I think every with, parent kind of is like that, especially right. of millennials. They, yeah. they don't really understand there can be a career through social media, which right. now is obviously And then also, normal. this was, oh my God, this was a long time ago now. This is like 12 <laughs> years ago. Uh <laughs> You know, when we had this conversation, there's social media was not a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very old school marketing, you know, things are just so different. Mm-hmm. Right? We barely have, I think we barely have access to, you know, so many things that we have right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we decided, I'm like, okay, well, you're going to move to Vancouver if you, you know, 
if you want to pursue this career, uh, this education in science, mm-hmm. let's say. So I sign up. I signed up for a you know food and nutrition classes, and then somehow made the rash decision to be like, I'm just gonna do engineering. <laughs> that was on me. That was completely on me. That was not. It's hard when you're young. Their right? pressure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you know I the first year was fine until the second year when you started to like a bit more specialized. I had a you know I went through this like oh my god I had men- had the mental breakdown. I was like I'm just gonna drop. All my courses caught my mom. We we were both like crying, and I was Aww. like, "I don't want to do this anymore." You know, all this whole situation. But somehow I came back, registered again, and then finished it four years later. Uh, but as I was saying, in the meantime, when I was in school, I was also working part time. That was just trying to kind of like it's a great distraction for me to be, you know to be in the retail space in the retail industry but also in the space in the space that I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think I learned so much more than just like selling stuff off the floor in that particular, you know, part-time job experience, but it's also like, you know, dealing with people. Uh of course there's the the fashion element to it is there mm-hmm. but also i think i was really lucky that i got to experience that at such an early age and then from there able to kind of build a career in fashion because i you know i chose to be involved in like all the fashion scene in vancouver mm-hmm. you know in that time in that period of time that's awesome and then from there I got the chance to start building myself, like building the brand, like my my own personal brand. And then fast forward seven years later, here we are trying to cover food, cocktail <laughs> and menswear all at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, your parents now today, they probably see you and they go, wow, this is, you know, really. Right. It's it's something that you love. And, yeah. and it's always nice to see when you're when your kid does something they love, I'm right. sure. So. You, you, you know, you've done work for a lot of small businesses in terms of whether it's a restaurant or I was curious to know what your thoughts are, you know, after COVID and after, you know, so much has affected Vancouver and and the economy and, you know, the economy globally. Um, Do you worry for small businesses? I think everyone is worried for small businesses, right? Mm -hmm. Particularly in Vancouver when real estate is such a cra- there's you know there's a crazy price to pay for their real estate doesn't matter what industry you're at but the thing about uh, Vancouver is we have such a you know fortunately we have such a strong sense of community in terms of like supporting small businesses like i think throughout this quarantine you know i've seen so many people and like everyone on social media just like supporting small businesses and even if it goes like you, you know just like sharing about the words about the news about like what their friends businesses are doing it's still helping spread the words out so yes of course the worry is still there about mm-hmm. all the small businesses to to survive and some of them already did not survive but i think you know once we pass through the pandemic i think people are going to be so excited to come back and, you know, to show the support in like a full speed. And it's going to take time to, for a lot of business to bounce back. But I think the community, the Vancouver community is here to support them 
mm-hmm. in all their like journey in the future. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I I agree too. You see it a lot where where we and I think kind of across the world people are realizing right. that, you know, these are the most vulnerable but they're also the most valuable, which yeah. is really a tough one, right? Right. Cuz mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think talking about restaurants particularly being in this quarantine, it made you realize that I've talked about this with you know my other friends it's like going to restaurants is more than the food and mm-hmm. you know the drinks and the menu and all that i think it's the whole experience of eating out the the eating out at the restaurant when there's like service when there's like communications there's interaction between your table and like your group of friends and with the staff with the bartenders with the with the salm with the chef like all this interaction that you can't really replicate at home mm-hmm. and, and the surface element is a big part of it and you know i hope a lot of people now realize that it's more than just the food and drink on your plate it's mm-hmm. like you know now that you're you know i think that's the part that i miss the most is like the interaction and the fact that you can actually spend time to get to know your server or mm-hmm. you know the 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 people who are bringing you all this, you know, all this amazing food and drinks and there's a story behind that and you know, you can only read so much about the story in the menu, but I think there's a different dynamic when the person who came up with the menu telling the story mm-hmm, to you. Absolutely. Right? And I like that you brought that up too because there is, I mean, on many occasions I've gone to go, you know, transcribe an interview or write an article at right. at Bonnest at the bar there and you know, whether it's a history of, you know, X, Y, or Z spirit from the bartender yeah. or, you know, there's a TED conference going on across yeah. the way. So you sit next to a neuroscientist or, right. you know, whoever, and, and you do have that, you know, for some people who, if they don't have their family here or they, right. you know, don't have a family even themselves, they can yeah. go find community and yeah. find that connection yeah. there. It really, you know, brings people together. Mm-hmm. Right, because when you're sitting at the bar, I think like it's almost, you know, whatever wall that you built in a your in your personal space is kind of like it came down in a way that like you have to open up. You don't have to, but like most of the time when there's food and drinks involved, the conversation just started to flow mm-hmm. naturally, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's that's kind of like an element that you can't really recreate at home mm-hmm. doesn't matter how you know how yeah how fancy the takeout menu is of course right? yeah and and you can have you know beautiful photos and that conversation right. can unfold on yeah instagram but it's not the same as you know social scientists have found that 100 there's no eye contact there's yeah. no you know and you then can't i hear feel their like voice. somebody's telling you the story in person i think the information kind of like stuck with you a little bit better yeah. than like just like you're reading through it and passing through you know that impulsive information passing through your brain for like that two seconds like cool but if you know sometimes when you're experiencing the restaurant so memorable you just remember all the little details that you Mm -hmm. know whoever is telling that particular story you and i were just talking about um before we were recording the idea that you know, Vancouver has a reputation of, you know, no fun city. And right. there's definitely been some movements to yeah. combat that. And we've finally, after many years, had movies in the park and all of that. Right. But you brought up the idea of, um, you know, our closest city is Seattle. And yeah. 
the difference of being able to have kind of an impromptu natural wine party. Do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about what you were just saying? Uh, I think I was telling you about this uh, one party that I went to in Seattle back in January. It's it's such a cool experience because, you know, there's this like tiny bar, like a relatively small bar that's kind of like next to a big warehouse. And apparently, so the there's a community in Seattle that's very enthusiastic about the natural wine. And then every once in a while, every like, I think every once a month, they throw this big kind of like natural wine party with great, amazing music. And then we were lucky enough to attend one of these parties. Uh, it just has a different feeling and everyone's just like, you know, I think for them, it's such a normal thing to do. You know, there's no, there's no sense of like, I don't want to say pretentiousness, but also like there's not, I think it's just so, I think they're just very, they're just enjoying it as it is. Like, you know, you can come as you go, like come in and out and you're just listening, like dance to the music. There's not really, you know, kind of like a facade that you're putting on to like, if you want to go to this fun party, there's a big, you have to line up outside to get in. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you come inside and already a little bit more tired and disappointed after that big lineup. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I haven't yet found that kind of particular vibe of a party here in Vancouver mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, we can just like casually roll in and like once in a while they change the, I think they, I believe they changed the menu. They changed like the, you know, the wines that they're bringing for, for this particular party on that, you know, on that night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this kind of unfolded, we were talking about just the, the struggle of one of our favorite restaurants to get a patio right. and, and working with the city for two right. years and all the regulations and Vancouver, especially people who live here, they really yeah. notice when you travel to New York or Seattle or Vienna or Barcelona yeah. or anywhere you, you see so much more, um, like you were saying, openness and right. relaxed and not yeah. so stiff. And yeah. I always wonder is, is that, you know, maybe has to do with the regulations here or is it the weather or, you know, what is it in Vancouver that I mean, I is just more stiff? I don't know what it is about Vancouver that's like, I don't know, it's not as relaxed or like, you know, you can have a great time without, uh, how do I say that? It's like, you can have a, you know, great, relaxing, like fun party without being such a stuck up about it. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I think the I feel like the regulation plays a big part of it. Like, you know, a permit to throw a party might not be the easiest thing to get here, especially past a certain time. I am mm-hmm. by no means have any knowledge or experience <laughs> in this, but from what I heard from the people in the industry, it's like it's even it's just to get a permit for a patio is a struggle. Yeah. And it is the the concept of, you know, in other cities where you can go to a party and there'll be a person who's, you know, dressed in, you can tell they are maybe from Texas and they're hanging out with someone from Harlem and then, you know, someone else and, and they don't have to all, you know, look the same. Whereas in right. Vancouver, it's pretty, you know, Kitsilano yoga people hang out and then East Vancouver punk right. rockers hang out and right. <laughs> downtown business people hang out. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean... I don't go to a lot of parties to begin with. Yeah, I know this is from the twenties, <laughs> right? So, it's, but when I came to that party, it's just like everybody from all the different background, everybody from like you know they they should have been and be themselves and like the way they dress, like you know, I should have been a suit and I still don't feel weirded out, you know, yeah. like and everyone's like very chill, very like it's it's just I don't know, it's just very fun, very relaxed, very it happens just so naturally. 
how it the parties unfold was just so funny because like I was I think I was telling you about the initial you know earlier in the party it was like we have they have all this uh, natural wine by the glass by the bottle and then it got to the point I was like they only have ciders available and then oh they restocked the wine like you know and it's also even when they restocked it it's a different wine so it's it's really there's not whole lot of structure mm-hmm. you know it's like oh my god we ran out of wine and then you know until somebody else came up with another case then we're just gonna do a cider and then at the end i remember it's just like oh we only have tequila it's like sure we're doing tequila now. <laughs> and then if you know somebody decided to like oh i short like i have a case of this cider by the bottle like who wants it and you know and so we we do that and i think it's that was just so fun and i I really wish we had that kind of party here. Mm-hmm. Everyone's in a that kind of that theme that that you're talking about. It, it goes to my favorite restaurants here, and right. often it is you know you look at the menu and you walk in, and they will they will in terms of food only have right. let's say five of a certain dish because right. the farmer only brought you know x amount of product in that morning, and it's just a little bit more kind of. It seems when you're sourcing well, right? Of course, you're going to have limits on how many things you can offer, but that's almost the enjoyment of it, and the excitement, right. and the beauty and that's of the charm of you know a yeah. lot of the restaurants in Vancouver. And we are, you know, we do get a lot of great produce from our neighboring cities and town, and like especially seafood. Let's say, like you know, produce, fruits, and all this goods that mm-hmm. not a lot of other cities in the world get access to. Yeah, we're right? surrounded by such incredible you <laughs> yeah. know, biodynamic farms and the mountains and wild foragers right. and everything. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Um in terms of doing, you know, creating a beautiful social media account or some, right. you know, beautiful marketing materials for any company, what two questions. What do you think people don't know about the behind the scenes of creating and putting so much into creating such a beautiful product and product as well as what even makes a great product that people want to interact with in terms of a marketing, you know, the marketing front. So an Instagram account or a photographer, a photo shoot or what people don't realize is sometimes there's a lot of research going on behind creating a visual representation of, you know, of a product or a photographer, like, you know, to, to kind of like put a product in the setting that makes sense to a lot of people or that attracts a lot of attention or there's a lot of research going on behind it in terms of like, you know, where it came from or like the, you know, all the different stories that's related to the product, not necessarily the particular product, but, you know, so the research behind, uh, the design process or like the material, how it's sourced. And, you know, I think connecting all these dots and being able to tell the story of this product is as crucial as making it as visually attractive. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think most of the time, sometimes my difficulty is just to kind of like, like one of the more challenging part is to being able to translate what, the what the creator of the product or the recipe or being able to translate what the intention of the designer of the of the product or like you know the 
the recipe developer just to kind of translate it to a photograph that's not just visually attractive but it's also being able to like tell a story the second you look at the the picture of mm-hmm. the product and also another thing is sometimes things don't go your way and it's totally fine there's so many of the photos that i've taken was just like by accident it happened and it was like oh i never thought about this and it's like you know there's there are times that you know i've staged everything in a certain way and then you know oh my god i'm done i'm done taking photos i'm just going to like start actually tearing this apart and i was like oh this actually looks better so like you know i think there's a lot of room for creativity when it comes to creating a you know a material or a mm-hmm. content and asset mm-hmm. and I, and a lot of people don't realize how much effort goes into it. i think certain ones you can tell and you can see right but there's some such a strong thought process behind it right as well as yeah yeah i think that that's a it's a really good answer um i also wanted to ask you about so you and i were chatting before what happened with George Floyd um, yeah. and Breonna Taylor and all of this kind of unfolded and, you know, for us up in Canada, it unfolded yeah. through social media um, and everywhere as well. But the idea of, um, you know, taking a step back and trying to, trying to, when we do say something, say it correctly. I thought that what you had written on your Instagram was such a beautiful take on it because you simply had an empty plate and then you wrote your thoughts and yeah, I guess if you wanted to, I can, I can link to that in, in, um, on the website, but if you wanted to, I guess, even just address that and talk about that and your decision to, you know, create a piece of art and, you know, where your, where your thought process was on that. It was a very, challenging time for everybody that week was a very heavy and dark uh, week all across you know the globe with with the whole George Floyd and you mm-hmm. know the police brutality just what's been going on in you know in the country or in the states for for that long and after everything sparks all this the movement uh, I was I I was very, like, I was in the very dark hat space just looking through social media and then, you know, looking through the news. It's, it's like, at, to, the, to the point that I actually had to take a break from the internet, right? And I, you know, you know me, I'm always on the phone and it's like, I'm always connected in one way or another. So I never, I didn't know how to kind of like express, you know, express my feelings and like, just because there's so much, going on uh, and then there's you know and then at that point I think it was the right decision for for us and for a lot of the creators to kind of like take a little time away from social media from posting our regular content Mm -hmm. and then you know just to amplify what information needs to be shared that needs to be heard Mm -hmm. in, in you know in that space that's already so so like there's it's already filled with so much information and like I didn't want to add another you know noise just because I think I had an you know an opinion that mm-hmm. you know probably didn't come from a well-researched position 
so that was going on for a little bit and then i think we talked about uh the whole thing that happened you know that came into light at in bon appetit particularly and that was i think that was the point that it kind of like you know it was it was not a shock at all like it wasn't it wasn't a surprise for me but to kind of like to kind of see the actual things unfolding it was just more and more heartbreaking and mm-hmm. it's kind of like upsetting in a way that was like you know we talked about earlier like all a lot of the recipes that that I made at home during quarantine it's kind of it's the the source is from that particular publication and you know throughout I mean I I don't know how familiar everybody is but like if you've gone through their YouTube channel mm-hmm. it brought so much joy for me and a lot of my friends and you know we were so passionate about it we invested our time to kind of recreate you know the recipe and kind of like be as, as involved as we can with the magazine and then the whole thing when the whole thing kind of happened it was let's just for for listeners who haven't um, heard. So this is about the editor-in-chief who resigned. If you want to explain a little context. So uh, I think a couple, two weeks ago, the editor-in-chief, Adam Rappaport, posted, um, kind of like did a letter from the editor that says, foot has always been political. Mm -hmm. And like as eloquently said as it is, as the piece is, it kind of, I think it triggered a lot of people from the inside that's, or, you know, that that had a different experience with the magazine and particularly with his behavior. And then there's this one writer that uh, kind of like posted a photo of him in his Halloween costume, you know, kind of uh, the costume is supposed to resemble a, a Puerto Rican man. Mm-hmm. The irony is he at that point refused to run a story about Puerto Rican restaurants. So I think that kind of triggered a lot of people, you know, it's never okay to to do that mm-hmm. in the first place ever. Mm-hmm. But Because he was dressed quite derogatory in in the it was Halloween kind of right, it's making a, fun. It's a Halloween, yeah, yeah. And then I think it's also like the captions and, you know, everything is just kind of put together in one big, messy, offensive piece. Mm-hmm. But that... I think that really reveals the bigger picture of what's going on in the publication or in, you know, and it makes, it opens a lot of eyes, like it it opened my eyes in terms of, it opens the eyes of a lot of people in terms of what's really going, what's really been going on in the media, in the food media particularly, doesn't matter how, you know, how progressive you think this -hmm. publication is, because that's honestly, that's what the disappointing part for me is also mostly it's just like I always thought this you know Bon Appetit is such a progressive mm-hmm. you know inclusive uh, media outlet and you know very well respected and then you found out about you know one of the person of color that got hired was never been paid to do a video appearances uh, while their white counterpart has like made so much more money per episode Mm -hmm. and you know it's just there's a lot of different things that being revealed from that one particular post and then after that it's just i think it hit it also hit us in the food community pretty kind of like pretty hard that day as well because you know this is usually the place when like you know oh my god i want to feel entertained i want to watch this but now it's now it's also you've found out the truth about it and it's it was like, this is a bit. Mm-hmm. definitely a very upsetting 
you know, upsetting situation. And I'm, you know, I think I'm glad that this whole thing happened, that it really shed the lights on what's really going on and hope, you know, in the hope of like for a better future for the magazine. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of work from the people in the whole system in the content as like as an organization to really be a better, better, uh, better publisher, a better publisher. And also like, you know, to employ more and a person like people of color, particularly black people in this, in the story. Right. And then not just, you know, they're, don't hire these people just for the sake of diversity, but also like, like to not hire them just for the sake of adding a diversity in all these videos, but also really hire them and really, you know, treat them equally and Mm -hmm. compensate them the way you would, you know, the other, the white counterpart of Mm -hmm. the staff. Mm -hmm. Which kind of leads me to another topic we were, we've discussed where looking at, these movements, whether it was the Me Too movement or the Black Lives Matter kind of reaction to all of this brutality, and so I even been going on for years, is that a lot of people are scared that, you know, quote unquote, benign or innocent, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, not malicious actions are going to be attacked and people are going to lose their careers over those. Right. Um, how it's kind of, it's a bumpy road, yeah. but the general direction that it's moving in you know, like with Harvey Weinstein is that bad people went to jail and, you know, we created a a larger discussion around what is right and what is wrong. And slowly the hope is, and and you had mentioned this too, that it'll just open dialogue and people won't be penalized for innocent mistakes, (laughs) which, you know, tend not to be the things that blow up and, and create all of these reactions and on social media and you know protests and whatnot yeah i have two last questions that are a bit more light (laughs) right we needed that yeah (laughs) um and they're just quick little ones being in vancouver i wanted to know what were your top three this is hard one (laughs) top three restaurants and businesses that you really think should be supported oh restaurants hmm hold on (laughs) It's always been a tough question when somebody asks me about restaurants and, you know, places to eat and drink, uh, but it's really depending on the mood. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think everybody already knows this at this point. Uh, Laboratoire, have you been to Laboratoire? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think they're one of my favorite places in the city to like to eat, to, to have a snack or just to sit at the bar and to have a cocktails. I think they're, you know, one of my most frequently visited places uh, so that and then botanist mm-hmm. we all we both love botanists and mm-hmm. i think it's, it's just such a such a beautiful space and like everybody behind the behind the kitchen behind the bar is such a talented group of people you know and then they're so passionate very knowledgeable for you know for what they do i think it's an amazing amazing addition to the city mm-hmm and then what else? Oh my god, the, the, this is hard. <laughs> I, the, I was going to say ten, but I thought. <laughs> oh my god, uh, I started going back to to Bao Bay. Oh yeah, right. Like mm-hmm. I think we had this discussion. Like I think Bao Bay has always been there for like a long time now, mm-hmm. uh, but I just started recently going back there, and then 
in that neighborhood is also super fun. We hop the kefir there too. And, and Juke um, is, they, yeah, and Juke they is, used to have a really good bar program. Seeing, kind of watching all these restaurants right. and how they are reacting to everything that's happening yeah. in terms of, you know, what's going on in States and, and the coronavirus. It seems to me that a lot of them are, are taking this opportunity both to listen and to rethink their business model. Right. And to me, that's quite inspiring to know, yeah. especially with Baobay has done a really great job with right. doing that too, using their platform to, to hold, you know, yeah. uphold voices and to speak right. about and issues. It's really amazing. I think what they've been doing for the past couple of weeks is uh, their Sunday dinner series is just highlighting different food from different cultures. You know, one, one weekend you, they had the Filipino uh, dinner, and then there's a Caribbean one, and then I think it's just quickly, like you know, it's an over, like ever evolving kind of like ideas, and I think that's amazing to again highlight, you know, our, you know, the community and the cultures, particularly the the people of color community in in the city. Mm -hmm. Right. So <laughs> Yeah. It is really cool. I like I like seeing that. And yeah. you you made a post just the other day about one of our favorite brands just in terms of the name, um, which I've been, I've been seeing so many restaurants posting, you know, black owned businesses right. and one of them was Mumgree. Right. And you posted that the other yeah. day. Yeah, it's it's really I think what the, the the protests that fortunately for us were very peaceful and very right. um what they really showed is is our ability to come together in Vancouver to support 100%. all of these businesses and show, yeah. you know, these are some black owned businesses. Right. Why don't we, you know, from yeah. Juke to Calabash to Mumbri yeah. to so many. Yeah. I think it's, again, the power of the community in Vancouver is just so fundamental to the city and all the small businesses, particularly right now, you know, all the black owned businesses that people might never hear about. And mm -hmm. then now it comes to the highlight. And I'm really glad that, now, you know, we shine the light through, you know, through social media to all these businesses that that deserve the attention and deserve the support, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's always it's always good to to go back to circle back to the fact that we have the our community to count on to support the businesses. Mm -hmm. Awesome. <laughs> and that peanut butter is really, really good. Everybody should buy it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's honestly, I like all it's peanut butter, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, we, we'll wrap up here. Um, I wanted to ask you, I guess, anything that you felt like adding or, or what's next for you? I honestly haven't decided yet. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, right now, it's, I'm still taking the time to kind of like figure out what I would love to do. Uh, you know, I'm very inclined to go back to fashion right now i think the the moment you know once the the quarantine is over i have like you know i've discussed it with my 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 friend the other day and i was like people would want to you know to get dressed up again they miss of that course. kind of feeling of like yeah. oh my god I look. and then you know particularly f to wear suits again mm -hmm. you know like i've i haven't worn you know, a suit for a very long time for, you know, for so many reasons. One of them being like, I've been eating so much, I can't fit into any of that. <laughs> I uh, think that's everybody's problem. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, like, I miss that feeling of like, oh my God, I'm going to put in a suit. I'm going to, you know, get dressed up and even just to go for, a, to go to the bar and have a drink. Like mm -hmm. we talked about earlier, like I, I'm a, 
full advocate of like putting suit on even if you want to go for like grocery shopping yeah like, that's what i've you know i've done that and it's kind of great uh so awesome. <laughs> i think my next move is i really want to go back to the fashion world while still of course maintaining the you know the food and mm-hmm. the the food and beverage and the wine and the bar scene mm-hmm. because it's fun and i mm-hmm. i don't think i can survive without either one of them like you know i, I think they have they need to be coexist in kind of like my day to day just to kind of just to inspire me a bit more mm-hmm. every day I love yeah. that. I actually had one more question I wanted to ask and and it would be because I I like what you mentioned earlier and just now about combining two of your passions because often we think, you know, for me it's obviously politics and neuroscience and thinking about why people do things the way they do and then also food. Right. And often it can be, you know, how do you how do you choose between the two? So I guess for any other, you know, kids coming up or even adults looking to shift yeah. their career, what would you be your advice for those who they have an interest, but right. they don't know how to, you know, pursue that if it's not yeah. a tr- traditional nine to five, right. what would be your advice? I think what I can say is start it as a personal project. You know what I mean? Like I, I, again, I had no training whatsoever, either in food or in fashion, but like it came from something very personal to me. And then I believe that when you invest the energy and the time, I think it will be rewarded eventually. I think, you know, and don't lose interest just because sometimes it gets really hard. It gets really difficult to be in a creative space or like, you know, to be self-motivating is very difficult. But at the end of the day, if you see this as a personal project, if you're doing this for you, I think there's a bonus point for you to keep going. And then, you know, and if you do it well, then somebody will, you know, somebody will notice, and, mm-hmm. you know, and you can start from there. Awesome. Yeah. I absolutely agree because it, it does take that. You're not under someone's thumb doing something for someone right. else. It's for you. Yeah. And if you love it, people will notice. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then you Honestly, I think most of the time you can tell when somebody's really passionate about what they do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, sometimes that's what my hobbies are for, just to be like, this is what I really, really want to do, even in my spare time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, you know, why not make your hobby lucrative, right? So, of course. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. This Yay, is a wonderful conversation. Yeah. yeah, of course. And everybody, if uh, they wanted to follow you, you're on social media. You are, Instagram is? Just my name, Veranly, uh, V-I-R-A-N-L-L-Y. Awesome. There you go. And you're hilarious on it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.